Welcome back to the Trekway podcast. Slight name change. Gray didn't even notice about a week, week, week and a half ago. Because it is mostly a, a podcast, to be fair. So this is just... This is for those that are just desperate to see our faces. I mean, I don't see why, but, you know. Does um, that mean we have to change the logo on your shirt to TTWP? No. No, no. It's still, it's still the Trekway podcast. So TTWP... No, TTW podcast. Um, right. So yeah, welcome back, guys. Uh, we're, we've been doing specials at the moment whilst we wait for more Star Trek to come back, um, and it's probably that's April now. So we're having It'll to be a long more. time. Yeah, a uh, long time. <laughs> uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to think of many specials, or just write to us and tell us what you want to say. Yeah, no matter how goofy, we'll do it. <laughs> for some reason, uh, thank you for everyone that uh, put lovely comments in, especially in the. Uh, Michelle Forbes interview that Gray done back in the day. Um, I, we have no idea why that one blew up. The, as I was saying to Gray before, the YouTube algorithm is a funny, mysterious thing um, that not many people understand. So that one was really Over popular. Thousand comments. Yeah, yeah, but there's there's more. There's there are Gray done a, a a series of interviews. So there is more. There, there's the several actors he's got. Uh, James Stern. Uh, Nichols, George uh, King. Jonathan Frakes, Decay, yeah. yeah. So there, there is plenty in there. Go and give them a, a listen and a watch, guys. But thank you very much for that. Uh, today we decided um, to do something a bit. I, I won't lie, Gray. Uh, this is originally my my idea because it was very geeky. Mm-hmm. Might be too geeky for some, but I mean, I'm a. I can think I can speak for Gray here. I'm a bit of a diehard Star Trek. I, I like the minutiae. I like the technical details. I've got the encyclopedia there. I've got the technical manuals. I love that stuff. And this sure. is why I get pissed off when you get to things like the Spore Drive because <laughs> it just throws all yeah. that science fiction into cuckoo fantasy land, you know? Well, <laughs> we get to that. That's been the, 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 the moniker for a lot of new Star Trek. Let's just make things totally unbelievable instead of having some basis in science. Like, yeah. okay. This is the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. I don't dislike Star right. Wars. I don't mind it, but Star Trek's always my favorite because it's based on we can be better. It's based on theory for the most part. That's why we love it. Right. Uh, so we thought we'd get a bit geeky. So if it's not for some people, then fair enough. Uh, I wanted to do a special on the types of propulsion in Star Trek, and what I done is I literally spent a bit of time taking some notes down, going to some credit to Memory Alpha, the website. Very, very good. It's like the wiki of Star Trek, for those that don't know. And I thought I'd go through some of them because not only do I like the the technicalities behind some of them, like how how much is it based on theory, how much is it based on someone that just doesn't have a clue about science fiction, and then right. some episodes it maybe relates to uh, because some of these types of propulsion have been key to Star Trek. And there is so many, Grace. I don't know if you've looked at Memory Alpha recently, but mm. when I was looking at just propulsion in Star Trek, and it takes you to the propulsion page on Star Trek, uh, on Wiki, uh, Memory, Memory Alpha, Alpha, it's got loads of stuff there. 
there's so much I, you couldn't cover it all we'd be here for hours and i don't yeah. want to do that well, so they get into the nitty-gritty so you know exactly so um what <laughs> what what we're going to do is just go through some of the main ones here um and then if there's any relevant episodes that come up that were important or, or special to that propulsion we'll talk about them so we'll first of all start of course on the most simple thing based in Star Trek, but really important, which is, of course, thrust, thrusters. Uh, small manoeuvres, little small manoeuvres. Uh, you don't see it used in, as much in Star Trek as the other types of propulsion because it's not usually, it's not often required, but there are many types of thrusters. That's an important thing. And that had a separate, almost a separate page as well, Gray, on just the types mm-hmm. of thrusters alone. Uh, acceleration, braking uh just to hover in place a lot of the time you use them i'm trying to think um well thrusters have a have a strong basis in real real rocketry i mean space right now because all the yeah. ships that fly all have thrusters on them basically. starship and uses it to turn around for the belly flop doesn't it yeah if it if the ships today that are flying up there now whether it's spacex or even going back to the old nasa days if they didn't have thrusters they would be going veering off and different directions and they need something to keep themselves <laughs> the rocket would be going <laughs> yeah i mean pretty much <laughs> you're gonna it would be it almost be like well listen we need to steer two degrees to the to the right well if you don't have a thruster you can't i mean you're just gonna go off in whatever direction yeah you can't go out and push it <laughs> that's for sure so yeah so yeah. i think that's a more natural and you will see little things in some star trek movies or episodes where they do an outside shot of the ship and you will see the little white little white flames coming out of like the sides of the dish or something and yeah. show like a thruster thrusters actually working or something yeah you know um, so it's uh as gray says it's a massive part of star trek um and a lot of the time you don't notice it as much because it's a subtle thing and it's not changed mm-hmm. a lot even since uh even since uh today um right. you see the little puff of gas coming out the side i mean i'm sure later on in star trek it's a bit more slightly advanced like that and the types of gases they use and how they're yeah. uh, generated how they're uh, put outside the, the how it's used as thrust is what I'm trying to say but right. a couple of things on that grey recently I was thinking of notable moments in Trek where they've been used to make an episode uh, like a vital point in a movie or an episode right and while I don't have mm-hmm. any exact examples I can think of and apologies in advance. The one I can think of, obviously, is is it the first Kelvin verse Star Trek movie where the Enterprise comes up behind Titan's rings? In fact, it's kind of similar to the the canvas I've got back here, where the hot rod Enterprise comes up and it's trying to it's trying to hide, but it comes out up through the the rings and it's using uh thrusters I th- is it that is it that episode is it that scene or is it well they've I mean, done, if you really think if, if you think on it you see thrusters more often than you think but the probably the one the most famous that used thrusters was uh wrath of khan because when they're in the matara nebula all they were doing is moving up and down and forwards and backwards with thrusters everything else was kaput wasn't that pretty much until everything of was kaput. they couldn't that. they couldn't do impulse or anything really fast so yeah. you just saw the ship turning like this or moving up and down on the z-axis all that was thrusting yeah um you might have to look close to see whether the special effects showed the thrusting i think it did a little but they just kind of assumed you know 
you know it's thrusters, you know. Great, do me a favor. Showing it. Do me a favor, never say thrusting again in that context. Okay. <laughs> it was a ship that was thrusting. Come on. Oh, now. God. That's even more <laughs> impressive, man. Uh, so I, I, I something with those nacelles in the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dearie me. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a long break, hasn't it, clearly? Um, <laughs> that, that Titan episode I, I gave me of being a... I may be accurate, I don't recall, but I do recall many times where the Enterprise has been um, in both the movies and uh, probably Strange New Worlds, it's been in mm-hmm. an atmosphere and it's been used to push itself above the cloud cover, for example. You see that a lot of the time. And also the yeah. most recent example was Strange New Worlds in the finale where they used the shuttlecraft, or Tega used the shuttlecraft. You could only use thrusters because thrusters don't have a power signature or certainly not one that's strong enough so she uses right. them to pretend it's space debris so that it can head towards the planet naturally and that's where the shuttle almost takes a nosedive and uh, right. uh the captain fills his pants pretty much because they almost crash at that stage so the simplest thing in star trek thrusters you can't live with them can't live without them they're important uh but the more impressive of the sublight propulsion systems is probably impulse and yeah. this is the one that's got so many different variations we're, we're trying to uh predominantly base this on starfleet by the way guys federation just for context mm-hmm. because we could get into you can get into minutia of other species and be here for ages but we'll mostly stick with our guys uh without looking at the notes gray mm-hmm. i'm watching your eyes how fast is impulse, roughly, to the best of your knowledge? Uh, without looking at the notes, like half light. Not too fast. Quarter. Quarter the speed of light. Quarter, okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. I actually thought it was about three quarters of the speed of light. Um, but no, it's about quarter the speed of light, and that's still bloody fast. Way faster than what, anything we've got at the moment. Uh, oh, what if you wanted to go, like, so that means if you go warp point five, it's not impulse, it's 4.5 well i don't think that's technically true because and this is where you could get really anal and nitty gritty about it depends mm-hmm. what warp factor scale you're going on yeah. the stupid tos one or the more commonsensical uh tng one uh because when you start getting to like warp uh warp nine and then you start going 9.1 9.2 you just think they're logically you think they're tiny increments but they're actually massive increments each time you go up and up and up that's why we warp 10 is infinite but we're we're skipping ahead slightly um i remember years ago when uh tos was the only star trek series on people were trying to figure out the uh the warp scale and i remember people submitting different things going like well it's kind of like this or kind of like that you know it started to get into some really wild numbers, and you know, cause and so it's easier just to go warp factor eight, nine, seven, you know, whatever. They 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 should have fixed that at the very start. Like Roddenberry's not a stupid man; he knew that the speed of light is X amount. Okay, so right. warp two, three, four. You should just keep going beyond that. But they never really. When you can tell me this, great. They would probably, on the odd occasion, talk about going faster than warp ten. And TOS, I don't know if they've ever mentioned it, any warp uh, scale factor above that. 
but they certainly couldn't do that back then. Um, right. It might have been possible, but then you keep going up, and where's your ceiling? You have to have a ceiling. So 10 made sense, and the team, but we're, we're jumping ahead. Anyway, quarter the speed of light, um, and it's mostly uh, a fusion reaction uh, that generates energized plasma. Now, when you hear those phrases and those terms, they almost make logical scientific sense don't they agree um fusion reaction is something that we are getting close to doing just now in terms of actually uh technically we've already done it technically but but... no they've definitely done it but for the amount of energy you put in scale now they've got to work it up to to process and to do it more often and to do it cheaper you're not getting more back from what you put in which is a massive problem that's what they need to scale at the moment right no no but they're doing that now they already have done it I don't know if you know this or not, but they've done it, and it has put out more energy than went in. That went in, and they've but already a, done it. There was a lot done more. It, it was done once. Yes, it was done once uh, a few months ago, and another group, and I don't remember the name of the group. Sorry, uh, just tried it on their own, a different group, right, to to corroborate and make sure it was real, and it is real. So it's been done twice now. The problem is, is that the fusion that has been done, it is and was successful, which is a big, big, big deal, everybody. Okay, is really expensive to do and maintain to so, maintain that reaction as well, Gray. Exactly. So now that it's going to, even though this is this is, I mean, it's mind-boggling that it's been finally done. I mean, it really is one of the biggest scientific discoveries that have been proven now. Oh yeah, but it's going to be a long time before you know it gets anything as far as a starship is see, concerned. All right. See when they tell you about when it's going to come about, fusion reaction, right? The common term they often use is, oh, we probably won't see it for about 30, 40 years. You've probably heard that a lot, right? And you've heard that for Mm -hmm. maybe a couple of decades now, right? So every time I hear that, I just think of uh, Star Trek uh, Seven Generations. Oh, when you're getting the torpedoes, I don't come to Tuesday. When are you getting this? Ah, It's not fitted until Tuesday. I just think of this every time they talk about fusion (laughs) reaction and when it's going to come about. Tuesday. Well, I do think it'll probably be 30 or 40. <laughs> Tuesday. It's coming on Tuesday, right? <laughs> it's coming Tuesday. Uh, well, on a, on a cosmic scale, I guess it could be. Uh, <laughs> no, let, I, I know we, we're going off on a slight tangent, but it's kind of what we do. Some of this is based, a lot of this is based in theory. And at one point in the near future, Gray and I are going to do the ultimate special, which will need a lot of preparation and work from both of us. And that will be... Um, touching on this a little bit it'll be something along the lines of what the influence does star trek have in society or what does what society's influence have in star trek it's a big beefy topic that needs research and notes for we will do that one and we might aim to have that one before we come back to do the uh the disco season five in in april so watch this space so yes uh impulse is mandatory but it is a little bit boring because not much has changed with impulse in the history of star trek why would it i can't really see many ways you could improve that maybe get it to go faster uh because often you'll hear them say quarter impulse or for example full impulse or half impulse you're not allowed to use impulse and say space dock for obvious reasons right too fast (laughs) those ships back then are too big to maneuver that didn't stop Kirk, though. He used to like to oh, do that. 
He breaks it right. Exactly. He breaks the rules. <laughs> he would go out. He would go part way and then just say, okay, go ahead and hit impulse. And blah, 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 blah. Just do it. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure in, um, I'm sure in one of the, maybe the first Kelvin verse movie, uh, about how fast they should go. And uh, the officers are questioning the commands, you know, like, you sure? The captain knows the rules, basically shut up, you know. He's breaking yeah. the rules on purpose. That, um, was, um, <laughs> that was a great scene, I think, in Star Trek Three, I believe, where they did that whole scene where Savick was sitting there going, you know, quoting regulations, saying, well, we can't go. Might be that movie. And yeah. Exactly. And they all just go like, shut the hell up. Spock's like, shut up. Gray's frozen on my screen. That is a brilliant picture. Gray, see how you, you froze on my screen? That was priceless. You you were like this. I know. You're freezing on my end, too, and I keep talking anyway, so I'm hoping, like, oh, my God. This, Discord has been really funny tonight, guys. Um, yeah. So, so excuse the frozen pictures of us if you see it. We're still there. We're still talking. <laughs> we are. We are. Um, so, yes, that you know, was... One of the things that would be cool, though, is if we had Impulse now and you and I could just jump on a ship with impulse the cool thing would be is you could visit we could visit any point in our solar system really quick that would be a blast you could just go hey trev you want to fly to jupiter yeah let's go i wonder <laughs> like a week like a weekend out i wonder how long those things would take right and i haven't figured them out nor do i have a web page up that tells me at hand but you relate that to um the expanse watch i i know the guys that make the expanse there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. Uh, yeah, yeah they're more science bound in, 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 uh, in the No, experience. I mean in terms of rights and getting it back in the TV. Uh, the guys mm -hmm. that own the rights, uh, Amazon have the distribution rights for it and it expires at the end of this year. So they're like, if you don't want to do anything with it, could you give it back to us so we can go somewhere else? Because the guys yeah. that make it are gagging to do more. Uh, on the one of the most recent books that's set 30 mm -hmm. years in the future. So we wouldn't have our guys that we love Probably not, but we'd have from Fresh Guys. And I love that show dearly, so does Grey, yep. because yep. it is based on what mankind will probably be like in a few hundred years, two, three hundred years maybe. I could see us being the expanse easy. I don't see oh, yeah. us ever hitting warp drive. It's just beyond anything. But, yeah, that might be a But that's doable. And then all you do is the expanse, if you want to go and visit your nearest star, I believe in some point in the future, cryosleep and stuff will come about. You just put people to sleep and send them to Alpha Centauri, and then there you go. Bob's your yep. uncle. Um, so, yeah. There was a, uh, a T I think it was a TOS movie, if I remember correctly, and I don't remember which one. But to get an idea of how fast Impulse could, can be, there was a scene where the Enterprise had left, I believe, space dock, it was, so it was near Earth. And then he, I believe Kirk said, full Impulse. And then within a few seconds or something like that, like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds, they did a shot outside the ship, and you see the ship passing Jupiter. So they went from Earth to Jupiter in, like, 10, 15 seconds. So that tells you right there, that's pretty fast. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll take, I will take that with a pinch of salt because back yeah. then their speed scales were all over the place. But right, right. when we get to the special where we talk about the influences of society on star trek and other tv shows and whatnot we'll delve more into that because i don't know i can't remember the name of the drive in expanse gray um but the drive that they use uh, invented by whoever it was 
is bloody fast to the point where they're having to have sure. liquids put into them to stabilize themselves and they are it is fast but it's still not sure. impulse speed uh that's 250 million so what i mean uh, i don't know if you really think about it and i know i'm gonna i'm in the u.s so i go differently here but if but if light is 186,000 miles a second a second yeah okay and you're building something that can get you even a quarter of that <laughs> that's a lot of miles per second you don't okay. even need a quarter of that mate i mean realistically you just need something way less and we're happy with that exactly so so you could see the fact that it's quite possible to go at very fast speeds but you don't need to go even quarter of the speed of light i mean you're going yeah. awfully fast yeah i mean if you could go if you could go even even an eighth of a speed of light traveling here to mars would be like would take no time instead of months. Yeah, exactly. Look, look, they have right right now. They, well, we'll go. We'll cover in another episode. But they have ion drives right now that they're using. They're, you know, they are fast, them. but they're very slow to yeah. get going. A bit like Gray. They are. He's but... a bit slow to get going, but once he's going, you see the yeah, guy. Man. It's called being older. <laughs> uh, no, we will get into that, Gray, and that will probably be that would probably be like a long episode maybe split into two mm. actually because that's a beefy topic that yeah but we'll, we'll get to that i'm i'm looking forward to that one um so yeah, I, we'll... I have one i have one question sure. for you when we when we go on to the next impulse should we not take it in relative order which what mean? i mean by that is that after after um uh impulse right comes warp drive which uh, you, you have left. You have listed down. I I don't have it in any particular way. I'm just right. going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Uh, sublight and uh, sublight and whatever the opposite sublight is. Light speed. Um, because a lot of these are instantaneous, or almost instantaneous. And a lot of them are just bloody fast. So I, I I'm not ultra fussy, but. The, the one we wanted to get out of the way quickly, and I did for grace sake, we had to talk about it because it's kind of very relevant in one of the shows, unfortunately. As, uh, in fact, I'm going to let Grey do this one. Grey, <laughs> you hate it so much. You want to introduce us to the, uh. the first version. And then, and also because I will try and pronounce this after you've done it as well, Grey. I'm not doing it just for that reason. Go for I it, know. mate. But to, to give the, the rough explanation behind the, the hated spore drive, okay? Uh, spore drive is a displacement activated spore hub drive. Nice big long name, right? Mm-hmm. Commonly shortened to spore drive or S drive. Who the heck calls it S drive? No one. Whatever. But partly that's the thing. Right. It was an organic propulsion system the Federation experimented with during the 2240s and 2250s. Right. Take that out of canon. The technology used mycelium spores harvested from protaxite stellavitoria tori tori to jump or leap across the mycelium mycelium network. During such jumps, the ships were not in normal space, but in the mycelial plane. What a bunch of hoke. That's just like, it's so stupid. I've always said sport drive is stupid. Most fans say it's stupid. For one really good reason, it was totally overpowered. Keep, keep ranting. I'll be back in a sec. Keep ranting. All right, I will. It was totally overpowered for Star Trek. There's no way they should have introduced something like a spore drive that just basically says, ah, the heck with all the other drives. You don't need crap. We just use the spore drive to jump wherever the hell we want. And it was also in TOS times. So you're talking more back towards the 20, uh, 23rd century, which even made even less sense. So that was one of the dumbest things they ever introduced to the Star Trek universe on Star Trek Discovery was a stupid spore drive. It's, it was, makes absolutely no sense. 
And if the spore drive had been real, and I don't consider it real, and you put and you keep it in canon, then heck, man, you could do all kinds of crazy things that would basically uh, just just totally throw the Star Trek universe into a, into shambles. So really dumb, really dumb. Still dumb to this day. Still idiotic. Still stupid. <laughs> I mean, there was a joke that the guy did. Uh, I don't know who it was. I'm sorry, but a fan out there. Did, and and Trev knows this. They did a little clip for Voyager, and they said like, "Well, what if Voyager had the spore drive?" So they show that Voyager gets thrown like back, you know, into the uh, Gamma Quadrant or whatever quadrant Delta. it was, and they were Delta, and they were lost, right? And took forever to get back to Earth. Um, and they just they they said, "Well, we had the spore drive." No, after, after no, no, after they blew up the caretaker array, they're like, "Okay, we better go home then." Right, exactly. So all of a sudden they just go, oh, engage a sport drive. They're back home. And the entire <laughs> seven years of Voyager being on the air was resolved in an episode or two. Can I, can I just say, uh, I, I put that into uh, the private chat with Gray sometimes just to annoy him. And I, it is a mm. chuckle, but I know, especially the first time I sent it to him, he was probably, you know, outraged ever so slightly. <laughs> It's funny. So. I, I was cracking up because the guy that did it knew, understood what we don't like about it, and he just said he just decided to do that, and it was it was great. It was really funny. Fair, but yeah, it's it's, it's just I, I just totally take spore drive out of the equation. I don't believe it. I don't accept it. I don't. I don't. You know, it's just not there. So plain and simple. I let Gray take this one on purpose because that was a good rant. People, wasn't it? You got to give him a round of applause. That should be. That should be some kind of an award or something, man. That was good. Um, <laughs> now, Especially when you have to when you have to pronounce protaxite Stella well, Viatori. I should do that, actually. What? I did say I would try that. So Protaxi Stellavatori, I think. Yeah. And it's on so the mycelial something. network. That's where all the little mushrooms live. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think the reason why the sport drive seemed to work was because they were all on mushrooms and so they thought it was ah so they were actually just going warp speeds really (laughs) it it never actually worked ever (laughs) so i will try and be a bit more biased because uh i don't blame gray for being set in his ways he's grown up with tos literally from day one i haven't but i could be a bit more in the middle so it's not one of my favorite propulsion methods i'm not i'm not going to say it's up the top it's not i'd rather it's not in star trek but the bottom, <laughs> the, the bottom. <laughs> below thrusters <laughs> um but it so yeah we should have led with obviously it is it is used uh only in star trek discovery and thank god the way they the way they try to fix canon because we know discovery shat upon canon way too often to the point oh, where they had to throw them in 900 plus years into the future so that actually made a bit more sense because i look discovery the, yeah, it belongs there. Years to do it, but hey, you know, see, see if they started. See if they started in the future at that point. It would have made total yeah. sense. If, it, it, they would, they, you know, exactly. If they had started, you know, right away, they the ship got thrown into the thirty second century, and they just started from that point. I don't know if it would have been a success or not, but the, but it would have been a hell of a lot better chance than the way they did it. Which is why it's going off the air after the fifth season. So they, sh- they should have. It was. It was. And stu- many people are are not are not that sad. They're going. We so. we always wanted to see a Star Trek show set in the far future. Right. I did. I think you did as well, Gray. Now it's very difficult to do because when you watch Discovery, like the, some of the ships are, it's outrageous. Like how do you make it so advanced mm-hmm. but it makes sense? 
I think they I think they pulled it off just and no more. Yeah. And Discovery yeah. gets the retrofits and all that, and it look. It, the thing is though, they've obviously tried to fix Canon, haven't they? Uh, and there's only you can only repair it so much. You can't completely absolve mm-hmm. it of everything. So they stuck them into the future. They told people not to talk about the events at the end of season two. Otherwise, court martial. Blah blah blah. We of course, we know that works. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, and, and then obviously, how do you get around the spore drive thing? So there was only two ships that had it, the Discovery and the Glen. The Glen literally blew up when the tardigrade thing they used to power it went on a rampage and went, stop using me for your bloody, your your drive. I'm going to eat you all, basically. The little, mu- little mushroom creatures went, no. He's had enough. <laughs> like, Well, no, I mean, it, it, it is based on an actual animal. The tardigrade, but they obviously blew up to a huge thing. Um, yeah, and, except they actually plagiarized from another game, but that's a different story. And they had the they they had the discovery as well, and that obviously went to the future. So they had that's how they tried to repair the canon of why they're not using this in all the starships because no one else knows about it. There's only two people that knew about it: the chief engineer uh, Stamets on the discovery and the chief engineer on the Glen. I don't recall his name, and he got eaten by the tardigrade so um so yeah well, what is it essentially yeah it's it, it's based on i mean i was going to use the the t-word theory very 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 thinly there was a scientist years ago that i can't remember his name i apologize that thought about some kind of like dark matter the way that they talk about dark mm. we, we, we know dark matter's there but we can't measure it we know it's there they're trying to the scientist is trying to kind of replace that or put another layer behind subspace that is this like the veins and the muscles of the universe is what they tried to call it which is far-fetched right. man uh if they called it uh well i mean dark matter could dark matter and dark energy could be something that yeah yeah but, but great if they called not, it a dark no. matter drive that would have been cool as hell that would have made a lot more yeah. sense yeah exactly Exactly. But, they, but they didn't. So they were trying. And to... even then, they should have built in limitations. You know, that's the that's the cool thing about Trek. They've always built in some kind of limitations. They've got to otherwise. Sense it's over. as the technology would advance, right? It's... Well, the other thing that's really dumb about the spore drive, if you think about it, in in Discovery, uh, I guess third season or whatever, when they get tossed into the thirty second century, you mean to tell me that one thousand years later, okay? They still don't have anything even close to the spore drive, but of course they came up with it a thousand years earlier. We now, no, they they do and they don't, mate. They do and they don't. Uh, they have pre- well, we'll get to that, right? Because it's yeah. it's it's yes and no to that is the answer. Yeah, but um, you know what I'm saying? Because when they saw the spore, and I'm not spoiling anything, but when they saw the spore drive, the 32nd century Starfleet, they tried to copy it, drive. but they couldn't. They tried to copy it. And Grace frozen, so you'll be back in a minute, Grace. Look at his face. So that made the sport drive even more stupid. Okay, right, right yeah. there. So it just—they should have just made it irrelevant. Great, I'm trying to make it make sense. I know that is difficult. I know it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, it should have never been in there because the thing is, they have all these modes of propulsion. But if it's something that's instantaneous, it takes away a big yeah. storytelling element. Because often, how often have we seen it? They're in warp. You see the stars flying past, and they're in the ready sure. room or whatever, having a chat, hashing something out. They right. can't do that now because oh, you're there. And, and right, it was, they, get no, <laughs> they get no time off. You, Your mission. Oh wait, we have another mission because we're already there. Do you not remember when the uh, was it season one where uh, 
they literally used the spore drive to go into that uh, Federation colony that's been attacked by the, the Klingons. Yeah. It literally spores drives in, phasers everything, and then spore drives out. And I'm thinking... That's this OP yeah. man. That's why we don't have. That's why we don't use this often in Star Trek because all several of these methods I'm going to talk about, they either couldn't make them work or they just don't talk about them much in Star Trek because it ruins yeah. the storytelling element. So, spore drive we know is doesn't make any sense. We'll probably never see that again. It shouldn't have been in Star Trek. If it was out of Star Trek in another TV show, we would have went amazing, but it wasn't. They put it into Star right. Trek, so and the spinning thing was irrelevant. That 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 the see the people that tried to make up make sense of the propulsions, the propulsion systems. They said right. the spinning makes no sense. That's the biggest part that makes no sense. Yeah. It, it looks why, stupid too. Why does it spin? <laughs> There's no reason. I mean, for, first of all, just from the aesthetic thing, because we all like cool looking stuff. Yeah, it looks and when cool. you're talking about, we're talking about ships that just fly and go into warp and do this or do that. They always look cool. The sport drive doesn't look cool. It just went, and it was gone. I'm like, what fun is that? I want to see the ship take off, man. Although Let's the start the start for it is cool. Black alert. That's black alert cool. is the black only alert. thing I like. That's the only thing I like. Because you could use black alert in certain super serious situations without having, a sport, without having a sport drive. So that, that was cool. Black Alert was cool, definitely, and you yeah, should keep that That was around. the only That's thing. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> right. That was the only thing. Exactly. That was it. <laughs> right. We'll move on from that one before Gray literally has an aneurysm or something, That's man. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the next okay. one is slightly more interesting, and I had to go away and watch the episode it's like to because I was like, what? Uh, and that's the coaxial warp drive. Now, without reading the notes, Gray... Do you remember what that was off the top of your head? How much do you remember off the top of your head? I, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I just know Neither that it was, it, was, it was supposed to be multiples of warp drive or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's, prob that's the only, probably remember. The only thing else. I didn't like, though, is that you, you mean to tell me you couldn't thought of a better name than coaxial warp drive? It sounds like some cable guy. Yeah, like the aerial, the aerial. Coax, yes. you know, well, well, watch this, guys. Here's a coax cable. Just, just <laughs> screw it in here, and you've got coax and warp drive. That it's an awful, name. awful title. I thought the exact yeah. same amount of coaxial cable as the, the, the RF cable you use from your aerial on your roof that we don't use anymore. Yeah, I mean, but... so what dummy, what dumb writer did they sit there and go, I mean, you have a room full of writers, and you mean to tell me they just went, oh, I got an idea, coaxial warp drive, and everybody just goes, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, no way. It's stupid. How did that one get past the writers? It's Crazy. hilarious. It's a bad name. And Very bad. It's not an awful... It's one of the... One of my least favorite faster than light uh, warp drives. Yeah. Um, um. And it was... Right, so this is what Memory Alpha says. Also known as the coaxial induction drive, or simply coaxial drive. It was a propulsion system that functioned by drawing in... This is where it gets cool and weird. Subatomic particles and reconfiguring their internal geometries, right? Now, that sounds batshit crazy, but theoretically yeah. possible. Uh, this allowed the Starship the capability to fold the fabric of space. That's nuts. Allowing it to travel instantaneously across across large distances. Now, that sounds very similar to the Spore Drive, but makes more sense. Well, no? the basis for all that, if you, if you remember, is... We're going back to Einstein again because Einstein said that 
if you could if you could take gravity and 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 basically bend bend it to your will in other words bend it like this so you would technically would go through a wormhole and pop out somewhere on the other side in an instant that theoretically einstein said that you could you may be able to do this but it was pretty far you know a far know. stretch but they but that's okay because they took they took the theoretics of that and turned it into what we know today is more like warp drive or the coaxial warp drive et cetera et cetera yeah so there was a basis in in truth to it which is what star trek's about they try to take something that's at least plausible and possibly, build on it or whatever and build on it correct yeah yeah um so in in the explanation that you read it all sounds really cool it's just that the name is stupid as heck what, so. what, 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 let's give it a new name then uh if it's folding space no actually it rearranges it takes in subatomic particles and reconfigures their internal geometries right, right? so that sounds like anytime you've got something that batshit crazy technically still based in theory it always needs I, something exotic to to power it doesn't it I would, have to have to, I would have to really think about it, but even if you named it something more simple like geometric warp drive, that sounds a lot better than coaxial. Coaxial's just stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, keep it simple. Like, yeah, like the geometric or the subatomic warp drive or something, you know? Yeah, something like that. Like, I mean, it like, sounds way better than coaxial. Just... I don't think you could... I didn't know if I would call it a warp drive because it's, it's more mm -hmm. in the category of spore drive because it's instantaneous. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, but I, I think they probably have to leave the word driving because people don't associate know, it any other way. What drives uh, but like I said, coax was just a really dumb, dumb, dumb name. Agreed. I mean, even even spore drive, as stupid as it is, actually sounds a little better than coaxial drive. It does. I mean, so oh, man, I... this this uh, this uh, RF cable warp drive. Um, <laughs> cable guy, cable guy, warp drive. Uh, um, it was it was known to Starfleet. It's been known to Starfleet for quite a while, and they they dreamt of making it a reality, but it was far beyond them. Um, so it is based in science and theory uh, in in the world of Star Trek, but it's beyond even uh, uh, the Federation's capabilities. And the one time, the only time we see it. Uh, it's used in a Voyager episode uh, called Visa V. Now, for those that don't recall that episode, then this is why every. I don't know if you get this, Gray. Sometimes when you're reading something or you watch something, a clip of something, and it talks about something cool that happened and it links it to an episode, I go and watch the episode because I think that mm -hmm. sounds brilliant. Um, right. So I'm glad to do that. But Visa V was. I don't recall what season four or five, maybe, of Voyager. It's when uh, Tom Paris is playing up a little bit and he's not himself and he's a bit, you know, he's just a bit meh about life on, on board. And the the, uh, the the stranger comes across them in this ship that is that has the Quaxo warp drive built into it and he gets friendly with this person on board. But this person is a shapeshifter that keeps taking literally the DNA from people it comes across and like mimicking them, cloning them and switching their uh, their face about basically uh, and he does the same to Tom Paris and he coaxial warp drives away until Tom comes back in the end he's like Captain, Captain Jamie's about to blow him out of the sky, he was that close to being vaporised, so do you remember this episode Gray that I'm talking yeah, about? Vaguely. Yeah vaguely, I have to go back and watch it again It is a really good episode man because you see yeah. this, they explain how the drive works and 
it makes sense and it sounds really cool and they have no chance of copying this one unlike Transwarp and stuff which we'll get to so um, yeah that that's a more of a, a an enhanced notable ver- uh, uh, sorry an enhanced note uh, to propulsion because it's only used once so we move on um, and then we go to the next one um, and I think I put them in order of coolness actually Gray. maybe that's what I was maybe that's what I was doing in my head if you look at it that way how cool well, they then are you would, wait a minute then you wouldn't have put spore drive at the top no from worst to best oh okay okay got it read it got again it. look at my again and you'll possibly agree yep. so the next one um, is the quantum slipstream it's one of my favourites uh, the quantum slipstream again taking the official note from memory alpha uh, also, and it, had a, and it had a cool name. So. Yeah, that's it. that one sounds one of the coolest ones, actually, to be honest here. Uh, also formerly called the Quantum Drive or Slipstream Drive, was an advanced form of propulsion technology first encountered by the USS Voyager and the Delta Quadrant, uh, which had the capability of exceeding a starship's warp factor by an unprecedented degree. Seeming they don't know how fast it is, just put something like that in and it sounds cool. Um, mm-hmm. Similar in principle to the to transwarp technology utilized by the Borg, it was originally developed by uh, a Delta Quadrant race. I don't recall their name, but I remember the episode. Um, uh, it was originally developed by Delta, Delta Quadrant race, uh, uh, designated by the Borg. Uh, oh yeah, species one. I should read ahead sometimes. Species one one six, not not species. Uh, who's yeah, the eight, four, seven, nine, uh, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the ones that bust up the Borg. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe that's why I don't know their proper name because it's, it's just a number for them. Um, Hope and Fear is the name of the episode uh, in Voyager if you want to go back and check that one out. Uh, now, there is a bit to this one. The the quantum slipstream drive operated by routing energy through ve- the vessel's main deflector, which then focused a quantum field in front of it, allowing the vessel to uh, penetrate the quantum barrier. That's a thing, apparently. Uh, in order mm-hmm. to maintain the slipstream, if you remember from the Voyager episodes, um, the phase variance of the quantum field had to be constantly adjusted or the slipstream would collapse. That's why they put a shuttle in front of Voyager. Uh, it would violently throw the ship back into normal space. No antimatter was involved. Do you remember the episode that it was predominantly featured in, Gray? Not off the top of my head. Uh, Timeless, I think it was called from, I should have put that in, from Star Trek Voyager Season 5. That's the one where you see Voyager crashing in in the edge of the Alpha Quadrant into the ice planet. And see, the first time I saw that as a a young kid, Gray, my head was blown. Much like when you were watching TOS for the first time, this was like amazing to you. I watched that and I was like, oh, that's my favourite show and my favourite starship. And it just took a nosedive into a, a... a nice planet, and you're like, it rips off the one in the cells, and I'm thinking, oh God, they're screwed. Voyager's yeah. finished. <laughs> and then they go back in time to try and speak to Seven and Nine through one of her implants, and they're on the Delta flyer because it made it ahead, right? So then they're right. doing the, you know, the back and forth uh, through time uh, uh, element that they use a lot of the time. They've done this, and they tell you what happened with this drive and how it came about. They, they got this information from Species 116 and it was Blanatoris that built upon it 
It uses it used benzenite crystals. And if you remember the warp drive of Voyager, it was see the guys that make up the set designs, they are geniuses sometimes in recycling stuff. It looked yeah. like a normal warp drive, but it had like bells and whistles on it, it had like a thicker midsection and whatnot, and apparently it had fancy crystals. And this was a one time deal because they couldn't jet it took them a long time to get the crystals together that they required and they couldn't get them anymore. So that's when this happened, you know, Voyager had the Delta Flyer in front of it, let's figure this out, and then the crash. So the key is to get them through in one piece, but then by the end of the episode, they're like, listen, we keep screwing up, It keeps blow- it, Voyager keeps blowing up or crashing, how about we just tell Seven or Nine to cancel it, and they'll live. And that's what happened, but they got something like 10,000 light years closer to home. That's how they, they used this storytelling element to inch ever closer back to Earth, um, one of my favourite Voyager episodes of all time that Greg because that see when it gets involved in propulsion and technology to a deep level I'm like I'm all for it just give me yeah, more of that sure. <laughs> um, now all we gotta do is get those things upscaled and we're good <laughs> those episodes well, yeah more of them would be great uh, the thing is though seeing the 32nd century Slipstream is a thing, although you don't see it. That's what annoys me. Like this is what we were touching mm-hmm. on before that I didn't want to touch upon too much before because it's more for now and a future episode. Mm-hmm. And that's thirty second century Star Trek. They have all the drives. Which makes sense. They should do by that stage, but they don't use them. Like that pissed me off a little bit actually, that you only ever saw them go warp speed. I don't recall did he use anything else? Probably too fast. It would have thrown through a planet or something. <laughs> no, but they, you see, you, you, they mention this. Like, even Book Ship. I can't remember the name yeah, of his ship. There is one good thing about that, though. They didn't have to worry about the coaxial drive, so they never mentioned it. <laughs> though, well, okay, so I don't know. Right, so the technologies I know they have in the future, Quantum Slipstream, they'd figure that out by whatever century. They managed to get more crystals or stabilize them, which was important. Right. Um, Transwarp Drive was well known to Starfleet in that century. Obviously, normal warp was as good as it was possibly going to get. Um, And we get to the one later, which is the Protostar Drive as well. They had most of the drives. They didn't have Spore Drive. This is the one I don't recall them talking about. They couldn't. No, yeah. It was only Discovery. They never heard of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, Again, dumb, but, you know, we don't want to digress. We don't want to digress. But that is. That is the quantum slipstream. I love that, and it sounds like something more out of Stargate than Star Trek. Actually, it doesn't mm. sound like very Star Trekky. One of my this is probably my favorite one actually outside warp drive. Um, it's the trans warp drive. That is, I yeah. I love the trans warp drive, and I tried to get my head around this one. Right, uh, we all know that it's mainly used by the Borg. That's that's their baby, although. They probably stole it from someone else, didn't they, Greg? Because they come up with nothing original anymore. Oh, of course. Right. Right. <laughs> they just steal it. Um, their ships basically enter con- uh, conduits and are accelerated, accelerated into insane speeds. So it's nothing instantaneous. Had, take this with a pinch of salt. I think it is about approximately 20 times the speed of the high end of warp drive, which would sound about right. That is insane speeds. And mm-hmm. it gets you from the Delta Quadrant back to the Alpha Quadrant really quick. In fact, 
it's not in canon grey, or would you call it B canon, I guess, B level canon. The books, the Star Trek books, uh, there is ones where Admiral Janeway takes, uh, or is it Chakotay? I think it's Chakotay actually, yeah, takes uh, the Voyager and some other ships to back to the Delta Quadrant after they get home, after they have uh, their, their main mode of propulsion outside warp drive, they, they, they finally sorted quantum slipstream and they used that to actually get back to uh, the Delta Quadrant to basically right any wrongs they done and follow up the species they made friends with. I, I, they touch on that in, um, at the, I think, is it is it the end of Prodigy? Because Jakoti's stuck in the Delta Quadrant, uh, but it's right. not with Voyager, it's obviously with the, uh, what's the name of the ship? The Protostar. Protostar, yeah, yeah that's the one. Um, so, yeah, Transwarp is probably my favourite one, to be fair. Now, how many episodes have been involved with Transwarp, Great, I mean, quite a lot. Well, Voyager. the first was the uh, Excelsior back in... Uh, oh, true, yeah. Star I Trek do mention three. that, actually, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, that was... And I thought that was cool, because I was going like, ooh, something new, you know, Transwarp. But it never worked quite properly. Um, but it was capable. So the only thing I always ever, ever wondered about was since they did introduce it, why it wasn't talked about more from that movie on. Because technically they should have started outfitting the Enterprise and other whatever ships with Transwarp, but they never mentioned it again. They just said the Excelsior had it. Uh, Scotty messed with it so that they could, the Enterprise could get away. Transwarp wasn't, wasn't able to engage, but it supposedly had it. Yeah. And then you just don't hear about it anymore. So that's the only thing that I don't understand is if you're introducing something, why aren't you going to make it canon and now you, got, you, you can take that going forward? Yeah. But it was never mentioned again. So. I, I guess back then they never at that time they must have thought oh this sounds cool it's not going to be a main thing for us or main story point so we won't bother about uh -huh. it little did they realise how significant it would be later on in Star Trek because Voyager was literally trying to steal I, I think I, I don't recall the name of the episode but there was an episode where Voyager actively went seeking out a Borg ship to take it out and steal its uh, it's it's technology, it's coils and whatnot, so it could bolt it onto the ship and try and make it home. And it was mm. taking out small ships. It was like a probe ship at one point, but then later on, it actually tried takes out um, one of the armored Borg cubes. I think those things look well cool. Um, yeah. And they realize that it's not compatible with their technology. This is why they haven't been able to crack it. The Excelsior, when it does it, the great experiment was not so great. It was a bit of a shit experiment, actually. It had technically the capability to do it, but the way the ship, the ship, the Star, Starfleet ships are designed for warp drive, the the way their ships are designed weren't very uh, capable with transwarp. They weren't, uh, they didn't match up very well, and that's evident later on by Voyager when it uses tries to use t uh, technology from the Borg ship and bolt it onto their own. It's just not compatible. Uh, I don't think the Excelsior would have ever cracked that because the ships that you see going to warp, the transwarp look usually nothing like the Starfleet uh, vessels. They look, I mean, Borg are the main examples. They mostly use it anyway. So, um, yeah, it's one of the coolest ones. It got them however many miles Voyager closer back to Earth. Um, and outside warp drive, it's probably my favourite one. 
I know by the 32nd century this is something it's capable of doing. And if you remember, any ship can go through a transwarp conduit if the conduits are already in place and built, like they were at the end of Voyager, Endgame. You saw those, like, hexagon-type things, uh, and, and every now and again it was, like, structural support things around these conduits, and yeah. any ship could be uh, could go through that if its shields were beefed up. If you didn't have the conduits, you literally had to have the, rel- the, the, the proper technology in your ship to do it. So it was OP grey. I understood why they didn't use it much, in Voyager and why they probably never used it again after because it ruins the as we said the storytelling element yet again well so, I mean to to think about this for a second I'm going to bring a different show in Babylon 5 now mm-hmm. in Babylon 5 they took that concept so what they did is they built these gates like in these uh, kind of like stargates but they didn't call it that um, and, and these gates were made to travel vast distances uh quickly and and you would pop out on the other side of another gate it sounds closest to stargate though doesn't it it does and but it had but you had to have a physical structure to do it because smaller ships uh couldn't couldn't do it on their own they have to have uh uh, these gateways but what was really interesting though is that the bigger ships and the more powerful ships could actually form the gates on their own in other words, form the power uh, that, that, that or the conduit on its own. They didn't need to have a machine do it. Like a bar uh, cube. Correct. So it was really cool, and it worked really well in Babylon 5. It made, it made total sense mm. how they were able to, to, to go across these distances and stuff like that. It was, it was very interesting how they did it. And there's so many good scenes where the more powerful ships or the more advanced ships would just open up uh, these gates, and the gates would just go open up and the ships would come out. Ah. So it's pretty cool. So it has been used to good effect in Babylon 5 in any case. I don't need to watch Babylon 5 at some point. Um, I, I will do it as soon as Grey with his new fancy software upscales it to 4K for me. Then I'll, I'll, go, and, uh, I'll go and watch it. I don't want to watch it in 480p. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, but yeah, it is yeah, one well, of famous shows. It could be a long time before <laughs> that happens. Come on, Grey. You bought this fancy new software for upscaling yeah. Star Trek. And... Soft, I picked up for people out there that want to know, I picked up Topaz 4, I believe. Can you not just push Very... a button and just say upscale to 4K and then leave it for a few weeks? Um, Technically, yes. But the thing is, with the software, and I'm just barely getting into it right now, so there's a lot involved. And you've got to go through multiple passes and you got to put on different filters to get things oh, to work that's boring. properly. Uh, it's actually quite interesting. I like it a well, lot. So, but so it's too much thing. hard work. A, yeah, but I don't mind. But the thing is, is the problem with that or is if you took a whole episode, 40 seven minutes or whatever even just one episode passed to the software will do the trick and it will look great when it gets done but it's gonna take a long time to upscale one episode let alone really know, 22 episodes per season oh so you'd be you'd be you'd be running your computer like daily for a long time to be able to upscale like an entire season and you say. don't have your second pc anymore because you gave it to your grandson in exchange for a playstation <laughs> 5 god damn it exactly but that one probably wouldn't have enough people. but but it's still it's nice because that's why you, when you go online you see some of these people doing this now and they only do clips you know two three four five minutes long they don't do whole episodes you can but it would just take time however saying that though when i was playing with it just a little it is pretty fast you know when it when it does its thing and renders out Mm. Um, but even pretty fast is still very slow when you when you're talking about 
doing that much video work. I mean, that's how, a lot. How long would an episode roughly take, do you think, then? I don't roughly? know. I'm, I'm not proficient enough to figure that out yet. Okay. okay. Um, but I will get there because my goal, one of my goals is to do just that. Take one episode of whatever, Voyager or whomever that's, it, that's 480p and do it. Um, because I'm just, I'm amazed at what the software do, can do. Do it's you need to totally... do it 480p upwards or is, is TOS too like old? Is that too much work well, to t- try and take t- from t- nothing? See, TOS has already been remastered, so the remastered yep. TOS already. HP. So you no, but it's been remastered to only 1080p. So you could take the 1080p right. feed and then just upscale again. Go to 4K. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. Anyway. Also, it's probably it's probably more time consuming to go from a 1080p, which is 2K, to 4K. It wouldn't be so bad. But when you're trying to do a 480p, all the way up to HD, let alone 4K, it's a lot of work. Yeah. You're adding more and more time for it to be, have to do what it yeah. has to do. The, the the best thing I've seen is the NVIDIA, um, their little, uh, what's it called? The NVIDIA Shield. Yeah, it's basically mm-hmm. like an Amazon Fire Stick, it, and, and it's upscaling is the best I've seen without having to do any work. It's phenomenal, actually. Um, yeah. But uh, that's for another topic, another time, I guess, because uh, yep. a completely different topic. But... Uh, the last two main uh, drives here that we're going to talk about. This is maybe one of the coolest ones. Um, mm-hmm. I'll let Gray take this one if he wants. Tell us about the Protostar drive, Gray, that we've seen recently in Prodigy. Okay. That's very cool. Protostar drive, not to be confused with Protostar drive, Proto drive, Proto warp engine, Proto engine, or Proto engine. <laughs> also officially known as Gravimetric Protostar containment. Now, all that basically says Protostar drive. <laughs> Um, but in any case, uh, it was powered by a protostar, so technically it was almost like taking a very tiny little star yep. and and running it from the the amount of power that it gave out, which is a lot. Um, and it was, you know, encased in a proto core, of course. Yep. Uh, technology developed by Starfleet allowed the experimental protostar class USS Protostar to travel considerably faster than conventional warp uh, speed by utilizing proto warp. A ship using this drive could cross over 4,000 light years in a few minutes. Pretty fast. Wow. <laughs> um, but the thing about this drive, when they, they this premiered in Star Trek Prodigy, which, by the way, is a great series, and now it's over on Netflix, so I advise watching. Um, it, I liked it because it made sense because, again, they went into the, the, to the science-y kind of realm. Yeah. And so, they're, and so they're saying, like, yes, making a tiny star is would be very difficult, but the point is, is theoretically, if you could make a tiny star, just like they're doing today with these tiny fusion reactions. It, they yeah. actually did it. It actually puts out more power than you put in, but it's a little teeny tiny react, reaction. So same thing. They were able to make a teeny tiny star, which put out tons of power, uh, way more than was put into it. And with that power, they were able to create this the proto-engine to go along with it. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool. It made sense, and it worked well in the series. So, And it was the only ship that had it. And whether whether you see this technology go any further than than Prodigy, I don't know. But the point it, is, it, it, it does great. It was actually that was the the starting ship. It, it was successful. So they were going to start making a fleet of proto starships. Right, but it but it's just so it was so much made so much more sense than the idiotic spore drive and the coaxial drive. This made this this made all the sense in the world. It just it that this is a possibility. Anything that's instantaneous know? should be eliminated. It's just not believable it's too far-fetched in star trek this this one makes sense this one's very very cool because it is like gray says it's based on actual science 
and it is technically possible. We are starting to do this. Um, when you see when you see the proto drive engage, it actually has a third in the cell, which is cool. It literally right. pops out the back of the ship, and then it takes a it takes a good few moments to power up. It, it's not instantaneous, and when right. you see it jump to proto drive. It is. You. It's the most noticeable speed increase on screen that you see for a lot of these. It goes bombing forward, and nothing can catch it. Even when uh, Janeway's and uh, Admiral Janeway is in the USS Dauntless, which cracks me up. They still use that ship because that's the ship that pulled the wool over their eyes in Voyager and scarred them for life. And yet, oh, let's copy the name and the idea of the ship. They put slipstream okay. into that. Sh- uh, that ship has the quantum slipstream, so quantum s- slipstream right. is 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 possible pretty early in Star Trek. Actually, uh, that is very fast, but it's not as fast as a proto drive. It still takes them some time to catch up with them, and sure. the fact that it takes, I think it's four. As Ray said, four thousand light years. Four thousand light years in a few minutes. That journey would normally take them months to travel. Uh, a couple of episodes uh, that was relevant to, and I think this is in Prodigy was, or was it Prodigy? Yeah, it was Prodigy. Kobayashi and Time Amok. Um, check them out. Uh, they, they heavily feature that. So, one of the coolest forms of technology, but we'll see that more going forward. So maybe not in season two of Prodigy because we thought we would get an, another version of the Protostar, the Protostar, like prop. Because the thing is, that was. Here's the interesting thing, Greg. It shouldn't have been called the USS Protostar. It should be called the NX Protostar because it was it was an experimental ship. So that's yeah. a small nitpick I've got with them. Um, we will see the Voyager A in Season 2, which I cannot wait for. That's It's been finished. Yep. It's made. Netflix have got it cooling in the oven. It will be shown probably, I'd imagine, by the end of the year, I hope. So, uh, And I, I'm actually grateful for that, Greg. As much as I love the Protostar... Voyager is a lot more sentimental to me, to me so sure. um, yeah, okay, that's the Protostar, very cool drive, the last one, we've, let, we've saved the best for last, I think, I think Grey sure. thinks as well, and that's good old fashioned warp drive, peasant warp drive um, peasant. <laughs> <laughs> the peasant drive um, oh god <laughs> that'd be even worse than coaxial, what do we got, peasant drive do it <laughs> No way to fuel it is you have to like shovel peasants into the core, man. Come on. That's right. Uh, Bunch of old fashioned coal. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Get it going. Sorry, a little uh, side note. We're talking about the power requirements for all these things, right? Warp drive alone still requires a ridiculous amount of power, like antimatter and matter, which are things that exist. And in theory, if they smash into each other, they create a lot of energy. It takes a shit ton of energy for warp drive, so something like a protostar drive makes total sense. You need an actual sun to power it because you can't get any more juice out than you currently do at the moment. Hence, warp drive is the main thing. So, warp drive, again, memory alpha, warp drive or or warp engine, never heard that before, was a technology (laughs) that allowed space travel at faster than light speeds. It worked by generating warp fields to form a subspace bubble around the ship, distorting local space-time continuum and moving the, sh- the starship at velocities that could greatly exceed the, the speed of light. 
these velocities were referred to as warp factors. Uh, warp drive was the most common form of interstellar propulsion used in the Milky Way galaxy. Now, it breaks down a lot more than that, and we won't get into super detail, but right. it's the OG, isn't it? It's literally from the, the Phoenix back in Star Trek First Contact, Warp 1, all the way up to Warp 10, which is infinite. And we have, we touched this before, we have the different warp scales. We have TOS warp scale and the TNG warp scale. The TNG warp scale makes a lot more sense. And I don't blame TOS for that. They were very early into creating this universe of Star Trek. Uh, And if you look back, great, to the TOS warp factors, they make no bloody sense. They're crazy. They're all over the place. Um, It makes a lot more sense now in in TNG... um, and we have a couple of main... Again, look at Warp Drive on Memory Alpha. It goes down another page. We won't do that. But the most, the two most common ones we see in Star Trek are the Class 7 Warp Drive and the Class uh, 9 Warp Drive. I don't know what TOS was, was on. I think I don't know if that was still yeah, I don't know. Class 7 or if it was like Class 5 or 6. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could have been like yeah 5 or who knows. Probably Warp 5, actually, Class 5, because their high speed back then was... And no, TOS was able to go 9, Warp 9. I, I, no, I, 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 meant, nine. I meant Star Trek Enterprise, the show. Uh, their, their top speed oh, oh, was right, Warp okay, 5. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. TOS, they could, go, they could go faster, yeah. And, but they had, nine, diff- right. they, they had different warp factors, didn't they? So it gets confusing. I, um, I always remember there was... I can't remember the episode now, but one of the best lines Scotty ever, uh, ever had... Uh, the Enterprise in the in whatever TOS episode this was was caught in a in a loop where they were going around and around like this, and Scotty's comment was he, he or, or Kirk was saying something to Scott, Scotty and says and says yeah and it says and at warp nine we're going nowhere mighty fast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. It was perfect. I mean, literally they're going warp nine like this in a circle, and he just goes we're going nowhere mighty fast. <laughs> He has some of the best lines, Scotty, to be in Star Trek. Yeah. God bless him. Um, but yeah, so two of the most common drives we have, let's say the warp, the the Class Seven warp drive, it uh, was based, uh, it was sorry, designed, developed by Starfleet in the twenty fourth century for the defiant defined class of starship. Um, it's a, a, yeah, easy for me to say. A distinctive feature yeah. of the Class Seven drive was its four, four simultaneously operating matter and antimatter injector feeds. And that's going on theory again, based on engines we have in cars now. You know, how many injectors do you have? You, you you have that in cars as well. How many lines are you feeding into the engine at the same time? Just ramp it up several fold here uh, to get faster speeds. Um, that topped out at warp 9.5 um, and was the norm for a long time in Star Trek for quite a while actually until we got to class nine uh which is i don't know if i'm pretty sure we're faster on that now that this is like voyager time period for this class of drive it was um again 24th century but it was first developed for the intrepid class starships because the intrepid class starships were supposed to be predominantly science vessels which had to go far from home and fast so they were invented for that first and foremost and it had a top sustainable cruise uh, velocity of what factor? 9.975. You could cruise at that. That's bonkers. 
yeah, considering really. the Enterprise D would cruise at like eight or something. So, mm-hmm. and bear in mind when you're going eight one, eight two, as I said before, they are massive differences. It's not like one to two to three to four to five all the way up to ten are the same difference in between. They're not. That's why the old scale made no sense. Um, the USS Voyager was the first ship to get that new shiny drive, which is cool. Um, shiny drive. <laughs> and it could go warp 9.9. Uh, it could go warp point 9.99, but it was, I think it was, you could only do it for so long at emergency speeds and then you're going to blow a gasket and had to slow yeah. down. Yeah. You couldn't um, cruise at that speed for on the older ships. Uh, and it was 2371, actually, is the, the year it was... Uh, invented that's probably because that's when Voyager launched. So, warp drive is the OG. It's probably the coolest one. It's the one they they should keep use going forwards, unless it's a one off for one of the other technologies. Because it's a storytelling element. We should keep it there. Gray, what I know what one you hate the most. There's no point you tell mm-hmm. me that. What one do you like the most out of all of them? Well, I, I probably warp drive for the simple reason that when they created warp drive, they had to come up with a plausible explanation as to why time didn't do a lot of strange things because right now the theory is and it's probably totally correct and it's been proven that if you can go at the speed of light and travel to whatever jupiter and then come back again a lot more time has passed on the earth than it has in your well, own jupiter's a bad example for that then maybe a tiny well, bit you could go to yeah you could go to andromeda or the next star but the point yeah. is is that time is totally screwed up by the time you get back it's a hundred years later. Everybody's dead, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they had to come up with a way. Well, how can we do this to where time still is the normal time, or the passage of time is still normal, and not screw this up? So they came up with the whole warp bubble idea, to where time is it stays the same. So yeah. if I if it takes you five days to get wherever you're going at warp, only five days have passed on the Earth as well, not a hundred years. Yeah. So okay. because immediately when they made that. That's that suggestion of warp drive or how it would work. It opened up everything as far as science fiction stories go. You don't have to worry about the whole aging thing and how you're going to get around all that. All that flew out the window. Yeah, because so technically it was, big, it was a big deal. Technically, they're not actually going at the speed of light themselves. The ship, it's the bubble around right. them that's doing this. This is a, it's about bending space in front and contracting it at the back so that you're getting pulled like a zipper across. The fabric of right. time and space, um, and that made a lot more sense, as Grace says. That's how you could, and this this is based in theory. This is the one out of the faster the FTL drives that makes the most sense. Um, mm-hmm. There are episode, there are uh, guys on YouTube that do great, far better stuff than we do, and they talk about FTL drives across science fiction. Now we are only Star Trek, that's why I don't do that kind of episode. But there are other examples like Stargate. Uh, like the ship used Destiny and SGU, it's it's just a boring standard FTL drive, but it's cool how all these things work. This one is the most realistic one because it is based on theory. It doesn't break any of Einstein's equations or formulations. It is the one that makes the most sense, and it's the coolest one. And yes, they've got it to the stage where they are at the fastest possible warp factor. They can't go any faster right. than that, so... Just like you do in an engine, a car engine now, they're pretty much as efficient as they're ever going to get. Um, well, the, the other good thing about that is instead of just saying we have warp drive and we can just go as fast as we want, they actually placed normal limitations and said, well, yeah, we can go really fast, but we can't go 
past this because our ship will blow apart, you know. So they so it was cool because you always had that that other barrier that they created upon themselves yep. in the in the stories. And how many stories have we seen, especially in TOS, where they're traveling nine point one, and all of a sudden the ship's starting to like ah, she's gonna fly apart, sir. <laughs> <laughs> fly it you apart, then, damn it. That's right. Uh, like, oh, yeah, how much longer can we do this? You know. So that was cool because it was there's a limitation. Yeah. Yeah, there's been so many episodes and movies that Warp Drive has been so pivotable in a story and a storytelling. Not to just bypass time so you can talk about whatever on your in your ready room, but pivotable to you, they use Warp Drive to go back in time in conjunction with the star. To be fair, um, sure. and in many many episodes of Star Trek, and they they put a limit on it. Warp Factor Ten, which is infinite which Tom Paris is the first and only person to ever achieve. And note to self, never do that because you could end up having sex with a salamander, which is your captain. <laughs> now, That's, that episode was a bit dumb, but okay. That was, see if they'd taken away the salamander thing, like you, you turned into yeah. another species and he'd just been everywhere at once. And he started going a little bit crazy. Yeah, they and then really he brought crazy. it back to reality. That would have been a really cool episode, but they went batshit crazy after that. It made no sense. Yeah. No, it didn't. Be, it being really, everywhere in the universe good. at the same time made sense. That was that was fine, but he should have come back like like a different Tom Paris. Like I know everything. Uh, like uh, Jack O'Neill and like Jack O'Neill and Stargate, where he's given all the knowledge of the ancients by that device for a moment, but his head's yeah. starting to burn up until they can get the information out. They should have done that. So yeah. no, listen, it's the. I know Gray and I are very similar to Star Trek. Um, Spore Drive is the worst one. Warp Drive is the OG. It's the best one. But a little note to the Proto uh, Proto Drive because that one was okay. very cool as well. Um, there are many, many more. Go and check out Memory Alpha. Uh, we are we were super geek, geeky with this topic, but I warned you at the start that would be the case. Uh, we will wrap up there because we've been going over for an hour now. We'll probably come back in another two, three weeks of another special. If there's anything you would like to see, uh, idea-wise, just put it in the notes, please. And we'll, if you're a geek like us, let's talk Star Trek tech below. We'll do that. Uh, thank you, Gray, for coming along, mate. I know you weren't feeling well too recently, so thank you for making an appearance. Um, the quick call tars before we go. Uh, we are here every time there's an episode of Star Trek for a review, but then when there's the seasons are off, like now, we just do a special uh, every now and again. Um, Gray... Uh, Usually every month, but life gets in the way. Has his own show as well uh, not, called. Not lately, but yeah. <laughs> Gray's Green Room. Uh, we keep, everyone keeps cancelling on him. Uh, we talk entertainment, literally anything you can think about in the movies or the streaming uh, universe. We talk about what's going on there behind the scenes at Hollywood and whatnot. And we'll be doing a special this month at some point. So you can get him at Gray's Green Room uh, on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. The same with mine. We are on audio uh, platforms as well. And please don't forget, we do a gaming podcast um, every, usually every week as well, but life's been getting in the way with that one as well. Um, and there's a link below to the Discord that we're on for not only the gaming, right. but for Gray's Join podcast, for my podcast, uh, sorry, for my channel as well. We're all in there. There's a great Gray's Green Room. There's a there's a, the Trek where we talk about everything there. Um, and that's uh, Extreme Gaming Podcast. So if you like any of those topics we just discussed, everything's linked below, um, and we'll wrap up for there. Thank you very much for your patience, guys. Uh, until the until next time, do your thing, Mister Gray. Live long and prosper, everybody. Bye bye. Bye.